Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Get ready to have your feathers ruffled. (laughs) My girl Katie and I are chatting in today's podcast episode, episode number 85, all about how our upbringings were rooted in a lot of shame and shoulds. And ultimately, that played a really big part in our relationships, both with our bodies and with food. And it didn't do us a lot of benefit. We had to unsubscribe from that shame and from those shoulds in order to figure out what our bodies were saying and how to feel connected to those bodies because our body should feel like home. And ours didn't because we were taught that there was one right way to live and be and show up. And friends, nothing could be further from the truth. So I won't give too much away, but in today's episode, Katie and I are talking all about how as women, it is time to stop shrinking and feeling ashamed of our bodies and to start stepping back into our power, owning our enoughness and saying yes to ourselves. So strap in girlfriend, because this is going to be a great conversation. So Katie, tell us a little bit first and foremost about you for everybody listening. I have had the pleasure of knowing you. Is it two years? I think it's, I think January may have been two years or we're coming up in two years, something like that. It feels like longer. (laughs) It does. I wasn't sure if it was two or three. So that makes perfect sense. So over two years, but for everybody tuning in, who are you and what do you do? Give us a little bit of the nutshell intro. Yeah, so my name is Katie Henderson. I'm actually from right outside of Detroit, Michigan, and I am a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and I have an insane passion to help as many women as I can um, feel the best they do in their bodies. And and that sort of, I mean, backstory on me, that came from a you know, spending pretty much my teenage years and my 20s really just like overweight and unhappy and not happy, like in my body whatsoever, just not comfortable in my skin, Um, trying pretty well all of the wrong things. I mean, you name it, I have tried it, Uh, all the wrong things until I found out what was what was right. And I felt so good that it was like, I sort of dedicated my life to doing the same thing for women. And when you and I first met, Katie, we didn't know each other at all. And we're kind of sharing your hero's journey. And I was sharing a little bit about like what brought me to where I am. And we were like, oh my gosh, we have so much in common. I know. I know. I didn't even know my hero's journey at that point. I'm like, I was like piecing it together. So true, right? Like figuring out, hey, what brought me here? What problem can I help people solve? And what did I wish I would have known then that I can be like the coach to help people understand now? And I think that's exactly what you've done. 
and a lot of similarities with their backgrounds. I know we talked about like our conservative upbringing, we are sure. personal trainers, like now we work with powerful women, uh, helping them to navigate their nutrition. So many like commonalities. We were designed to be like at least Instagram BFFs for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think the, the thing that like we connected with the most was our background and how we grew up just completely the same in the same mindset and like sort of found similar paths. I want to dive into that a little bit, Katie, as long as you're comfortable with it, because I think there's so much about that upbringing that that led me to that place where I didn't feel at home in my body. Like I wasn't given permission to understand my body and to feel like it was a safe space because I was taught that I should show up a certain way and there was a right and there was a wrong. And I wasn't ever really like taught how to connect with myself. And so I'm really curious, like, how do you think your background influenced your relationship with food and with your body? Yeah, I think um, it's funny. I've never ever, you asked me if I was comfortable talking about this before, and it's not something that I've ever really talked about, but I think it's so important because there are so many women that came from that background and I very much feel the same. I mean, I grew up just really questioning myself and I, I, this is nothing against obviously my parents. They raised me exactly how they believed that they should raise me, but coming from a really conservative background, you're constantly questioning yourself. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, is that appropriate to wear? Is that a sin? Should you be doing that? So you're, you're in this constant, like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Who am I? You know, and, and it sort of, that really snowballed into, you know, growing up um, and then obviously hitting teenage years and you're just sort of constantly questioning who you are as a person and not really knowing it was, it was like, um, you never really know what is okay and what isn't okay. And if I think if you're not following that, this is okay, there's a huge shame component that comes with that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not that like idealistic picture, perfect version of like the woman that I should be air quotes, there, heavy air quotes. And so then it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me and I'm not worthy enough and I'm not good enough. And I see that on replay with women in their relationships with food and with their bodies. And it's definitely something that I would echo from my background, just hearing you say that. Absolutely. I would 100% relate it to that. And, and, and again, it's not me like getting after like the church or conservatism, conservatism, anything like that. But it's really just saying that like that background, you sort of have one path. And when you quickly realize, like for me, it was like, you know, my path was like to get married young and have kids young. And now like fast forward, you start to realize like growing up, like, okay, I'm a little bit more of an independent woman. And I don't really think like that. And I don't align with that. So what's wrong with me? Do you know what I mean? Like, like what, what, what did I do wrong where I'm not like all of these other people or how I should be, you know, like normal behavior that isn't allowed in the church is a sin. And then you're constantly feeling this guilt and, and not worthy because of that. Here we are, two 30-something women, no children. We were just talking about this before we yeah. the record. And we All are our own businesses. Yeah, exactly. Like running these very successful businesses, running hard after our passion. But a lot of our friends are married and have multiple children and they're happy doing that, right? We're not bashing that. We're not saying that that's not the right path for certain people to take. Yeah. For you and I, it wasn't the path for us to take. It wasn't the right path. And what I think we're trying to say is that path is not any less 
worthy or important. Like, I think there's, if there's one thing I've learned is that there is no one right way. And it's okay if your journey looks totally different from somebody else's. 100%. There, there isn't one right way, but we, I grew up believing that. So I think like making that, that transition for me took a long time, like accepting that and accepting who I am as a person. It took a long time. It, it really, really did. And now that I've sort of like owned that, um, it's a pretty amazing thing. And, and it's, it's a weird thing to say, like that background had a direct relation to my health and fitness. But when you don't feel worthy and when you don't feel comfortable in your own skin or confident, you know, in who you are as a person, um, that will bring up a lot of guilt, a lot of stress, a lot of emotional eating, an unhealthy relationship with your body, which directly relates to an unhealthy relationship with food. And like, I honestly, I really think the past three, four years, like is the first time where I can say I genuinely love my body in my twenties. I would have never, ever said that. Like now I'm like, hell yes. Like I love every bit of my body. It's imperfections, you name it. And in my twenties, it was like, my only focus was I just wanted to change because I wasn't who I was supposed to be. Mm. Wow. That's super powerful. So the last like three, four year period, what was the turning point for you? Like, I'm, was there a light bulb moment or was it like a gradual progression? It's sort of funny. I, I wish I would, I wish I could say there was one light bulb moment. Um, I think a lot of it is like being honest with who you are, with the people around you, um, hard conversations with family, you know, like, telling my mom, like, Hey, I love you. And I know you didn't want me raised like this. This might not be what you saw for my life, but this is who I am. And I love who I am. And you know, you just want them to love who you are. And like, they do, they really do. Like they've genuinely accepted it. Like who I am as a person. I mean, I think my mom would wish I went to church with her more, but (laughs) she can't have it all. (laughs) I honestly think for me, Katie, and yeah, it's, it's something I haven't really talked about a lot, but it was when I stopped trying to be that perfect Christian girl. And I realized like, Oh shit, I'm losing a lot of friends. Like this is causing a lot of conflict in my like dynamic with my parents. And Oh wow. Like people don't accept me if I'm not like projecting that perfect picture of what I thought I needed to be. And that was kind of, it wasn't really a light bulb moment, but it was the moment where I was like, well, if I'm going to be myself and people aren't going to accept me, I have to learn how to accept me because for a long time I was look, living for and looking for external validation. Like if, yeah. if you told me I was doing the right thing, like I wanted to do more of it. And if I was showing up to church every Sunday and, you know, wearing my purity ring, like tick, 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 you're doing like all the things that you should do. You are good enough. And when I realized, yeah. wow, wait a second, I don't know that this is the life that I want to live and everything kind of crumbles. It was like, oh shoot. Like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, where's my identity? If it isn't in that idealistic picture. Sure. Oh, yeah. such a mindscape. Where, wearing your purity ring. <laughs> I mean, I can just so relate to that hundred percent. Like I shouldn't have been wearing it. I really shouldn't have, <laughs> but, but you do because you want to paint this ideal picture. And it's funny. I've even seen with you and your content in the last, like, year you sort of transition into like kind of like breaking out a little bit to stuff that I know you wouldn't have posted before like you did a TikTok the other day with a song in the background that was saying the F word and I was like yes like because I just know you wouldn't have normally posted that 
And you okay. question yourself. So here's something hysterical. In high school, my friends offered to pay me money to swear because I wouldn't. Like, if you swear, you can't possibly be a good person, right? So it was exactly. like never something. Like, we got in trouble if we said the word stupid at home. Like, that, it was like that. And again, my parents are wonderful people who raised me extremely well. But yeah, I have definitely been breaking the mold more and more because I think the more I work with women, I see that so many of them are trying to fit into a mold that they don't want to be in. And that is putting them and their needs and their desires and their wants at the bottom of the list. And that's where they spend their entire lives. I mean, I work with women who are years and years older than I am. And they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had this permission. I wish I would have given myself the permission to show up in the world like I wanted to rather than serve and put everybody else before me and feel like my self-care and my health didn't matter as much as everybody else's and so yeah yeah, you're right I've definitely gotten bolder with the content that I share and I think I've talked about this before I know I've talked about it before but my parents actually don't see anything I post on social media because in sharing my hero's journey what brought me to my eating disorder navigating my brother's addiction like that brought up a lot of shame for them because the thought immediately was oh my gosh, what will people think of us? Like we don't fit into that ideal Christian standard anymore. And again, nothing against Christianity. It was just that it became all about image and I wasn't willing to live my life that way anymore. And so we, we came to a mutual agreement of, hey, I can't stop speaking my truth. This is my story. I don't want to hurt you. That's not my intention. But maybe we just have to agree to kind of like draw this boundary together. So yeah, that's, I mean, we have a great relationship outside of social media, but they don't see the content I post about nutrition and my relationship with food. And honestly, it was one of the healthiest boundaries we could have set. See, uh, so I, I actually, that's something I've sort of needed to set because there was a post I did. So i most of my posting is done on Instagram and I had a Facebook page that I like, will maybe share every third post to, um, but I, it's not like I'm super active on there. But my, I did a post and I said like the word damn, in it. like, like something like, I don't know, it wasn't even that offensive at all. And my mom wrote me this like long, long text message. Like, like I'm 33 years old. This was literally two months ago. And she said, um, I, I wish I could share your posts, but I can't share your posts because you swear in them. And I can't direct people to your page when you're swearing. And I think you're giving people the wrong impression about who you are. And it was like, even at 33 years old, and I had to sit there and like, I said, look, mom, like I, I can't, I can't be questioning myself at this point. Like my purpose in this post is to impact women on a greater level. My purpose in life is to impact women and health and fitness on a greater level. And saying the word damn, isn't making or breaking that. And, and I can't sit here. And cause I did, I sat there for like two hours, like upset that my mom messaged me that like, should I not be swearing? And I'm like, Hey, you're a 33 year old woman. Like you cannot be like, having that affect you, you know, but it's having those honest conversations and saying, like, you cannot do that anymore in my life. Like you just can't, this is who I am. So I think setting that boundary, it would probably be the best thing I could do. And I think it comes down to, I don't know, let me know if you can resonate with this. Before I used to screen everything I did and said against what will people think and how will this be received? 
And I have had to learn over and over again that I can't live my life for other people. And it's not my job to make other people happy. And what's most important is living in alignment with myself and who I am, like mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. And so now it's, is this authentic? Do I, can I back this message? And do I feel like it's truly going to be helpful and speak to the life of someone else? If yes, like, cool. I don't care if it's not for everybody because I, I can't be for everybody, right? Like that's such a heavy obligation. And I think when we live with the pressure of trying to make everybody happy and make everybody like us, like that's a lifetime of misery. At least it was for me. It is. And that is where like, I don't think we're unique in that. I I truly think that this is where so many women are. They did things in life because they felt like they should have. And like, but like now they don't know where to go. They don't know who they are as a person. Like I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with women where I'm like, who are you? What do you want? And like, when was the last time you put yourself first? And they genuinely don't have an answer because they don't know what they want in life. They don't put themselves first. And by the way, it's not selfish to put yourself first. It's actually necessary. Like it's saying like, if, if you, if you are feeling like you're not worthy, if you're waking up in a body that you hate every single day, if you like are constantly in a battle with what to wear, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel good at events. Like that will overflow into every aspect of your life. But if you are happy, healthy, and confident in your body, because you're putting yourself first, guess what? That overflows into your marriage. That overflows into your work life. That overflows into your social life, into your kid's life. That makes you a better example as a mom because of that. So I want to hear your coaching perspective on this because you touched on something like that servant's heart, right? If you're constantly serving, you're constantly putting everybody else's needs before yours, it it puts you at the bottom of the list. And so, so many women are afraid to say, Hey, but, but I have needs too. And I, I really want to achieve this goal, even if there, or because there are still things left to tick off on that to-do list. So what do you tell your clients, Katie, who constantly save themselves for last. Maybe they have kids, maybe they have a significant other, maybe they have other responsibilities, work, volunteering, etc. We we know that if they try to do all of those things before prioritizing their self-care, they yeah. are selfish. But you and I know that it's not selfish. It's selfless because if we fill our cup, we're able to better serve others. But I feel like that's such a hard mindset shift for women, especially to make. How do you coach your clients through that? I think it's such a hard mindset, way more for women than it is for men. And I think you have to have an honest conversation with, with women. And I think that comes in the consultation as well, before we even take anybody onto the program is, are you willing to change? Like, so this is like, you sort of lay out your situation. So you're waking up every day, stressed, you're going to sleep, stressed, you're never putting yourself first. You hate your body. You have a horrible relationship with food. You emotional eat, but yet you're not willing to give because kids come first and husband comes first and work comes first and all of these things. And and the real question is, is this a life you want to live? If the answer is yes, and you're not willing to budge, then like, I genuinely cannot help you. If the answer is no, this is not how I want to live. Then it's like, okay, so what can you say no to? So you can say yes to yourself. 
because there has to be something. And, and that might not be kids or husband first. If, if you want to keep like putting them first, like we can work that through eventually, but there has to just something has to give in order for you to be able to put yourself first. We, we have to figure out what that is, what that looks like, because we know your scenario right now. And if you lived that for 10 more years, imagine how miserable you'd be. What do you do when someone says, okay, Katie, like I'm willing to change, but when I say yes to myself, I feel guilty. That's a really, so that's a really tough question. And I don't think that's something that changes overnight. I I really do think that's a mindset shift that, I mean, it it took me years to make this mindset shift, probably from 20 years old to 10 years to be able to be like, to own who I am as a woman and what I want in life and being an entrepreneur and a business owner and not a stay at home wife. Like it took me years to sort of own who I really am. Um, and so I think it's a, I think that's a tough thing to cover in a year of coaching with someone, but I think you can implement action items and you can implement mindset work and, you know, morning routine and night routine and really positive behaviors that can just sort of build this amazing foundation for them to, to live the best life in the future. And I would echo that. So ex-personal trainers, right? If we yeah. stick muscle, it gets stronger <laughs> and more powerful moving forward. So it's not going to be easy at first. And I agree with you. It's definitely not a skill that we can learn quickly, but the more we practice, the easier and more proficient we become at it. So I think yeah. what I find is I try to get those women or those clients to say yes to themselves in the teeniest, tiniest capacity first. So can we, instead of like immediately waking up and checking your email inbox or getting your kids' lunches ready, can you take five minutes and just do something for you? Like maybe it's doing a morning reading. Maybe it's sitting there and just taking a few deep breaths. Maybe it's like having some quiet time and a cup of coffee set five minutes aside for yourself and then let's just observe how great that feels or what the repercussions are positively. And oftentimes it becomes reinforcing like, Oh my gosh, I feel so much better even with just five minutes. So imagine how you feel with 15 or 20 and then we can help them to do that with bigger things throughout their life. But I think it starts with a teeny tiny, like quiet, hesitant. Yes. And then over time that yes turns into like a radically powerful, unapologetic. Yes. Yeah. And I think the women that have seen the biggest transformation have had that mental transformation and have also had support around them that, that back up that mental transformation and that are like, hell yes, that's amazing. And you're a different person. And, and like, I can't tell you how many husbands I've had in the beginning that are like, you're paying what for online coaching? And you know what I mean? Cause guys don't get it. They, a lot of times they don't, especially if they're not like social media savvy. They're like, you're what? But then when they see their wives starting to transform or their girlfriends or whatever that might be, they start to really make that transformation with them. Yeah. which I think is cool. And and I think one thing I want to touch on that you said is that like when we're talking, especially like, oh, I mean, I think a lot of our clients are weight loss clients. Like, that's what their ideal goal is, is a composition change, a weight loss change, feeling more confident in their body. That like, that is not just a numbers game. Like, yes. Okay. I get it. You have to be in a calorie deficit to see weight loss. Yes. But if you are waking up every single day, stressed out of your mind, run off your feet, you're never, you know, maybe you're getting in a 25 minute hit workout, but you're stressed the entire time for it. You don't have a good relationship with your body. You don't have a good relationship with food. That calorie deficit isn't going to do shit for you. 
Yes, I said shit, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed here. <laughs> like it just isn't, you know, like people don't, they think like, oh, I just have no self-control around food or I just eat too many carbs. And it's like, listen, sister, you have to take a step back and look at your life as a whole and, and what's going on. And I think, Katie, this echoes what we said earlier. If you're making it all about a numbers game, am I ticking off my calories for the day? Am I burning X amount of calories? Am I getting X number of steps? Am I at that number on the scale? Aren't we essentially just measuring ourselves to the right thing? Like, oh, I have to be this perfect metric. I have to be this ideal standard or I fail. Like that's classic diet culture, but it's exactly what we just described with like the way that we grew up and having a right and a wrong. And I think what you and I both preach avidly is it's a relationship with yourself. Like you have to find fulfillment in the process. You have to learn how to love and care and respect your body, not just make it all about the scale or the pant size or the girth measurements, because that's a losing game, right? Especially as a female. Yeah. And I, I love that you, you said that. And I'll say this to like most clients I start with, I'm like, your body has trust issues with you because it doesn't know what it's going to get. It doesn't know if you're going to starve it this week. It doesn't know if you're going to have the all or nothing mindset, if you're going to completely binge, like it has trust issues with you. And we got to earn that trust back in your body. Have you ever done the exercise? I find this one to be really powerful. And what you just said kind of reminded me. Oftentimes I'll have a client imagine themselves having reached their goal. And then I'll say, okay, I want you to write out. What does it feel like? What does it feel like to live that day or to live a week as that ideal version of yourself? Tell me. And so they'll journal about it. And do you know what is rarely written as that experience is a number. Nobody's ever like, I woke up today and I was so happy because I weighed in at XX, whatever the number is. It's a quality of life. It's a feeling. It's how they engage with people and food and their, that's what they want. And so I understand that body composition change can absolutely be a part of that, but it can't be, I get to the destination and then I'm confident. I get to the destination and then I'm worthy. It's, oh no, no. How can I find confidence and worthiness now along the journey? So that, it's so funny that you said that. I just had this conversation with one of my clients who's like seeing really good progress. And she said, like, like when you talk about balance, when you talk about having a good relationship with food or being able to eat foods in moderation, like her and I were chatting about how like midday Saturday, she had like a couple of Oreos and like moved on with her day. And it wasn't a big deal. Well, before it would have been like, oh, my day's ruined. Let me just go eat everything under the sun. And she was like, when I started this, I thought that I had to get to that number before I had that quality of life with food, before I had a better relationship with food or my body. But it actually took doing those things to see that number. Mm. You know, where most people think like, oh, well, the quality of life with food and the flexibility and not being obsessed about things that will happen when I reach this number, but you will never reach that number if, if that's the way you're thinking. So true. Yeah, I think, and I love that you said, are you willing to change a couple of minutes ago? Because that client had to completely change an expectation she had, which circles back to 
majority of change happens in the brain, right? It's all about yeah. mindset. We could argue very little yes. about like the food we eat. It's more about the stories we tell ourselves about the food we eat and the limiting beliefs we have about who we are and what we can or can't do. And on an intake questionnaire for a new client who starts working with me, my very first question is, are you willing to unlearn some of the BS basically that, that diet culture has taught you already? Because if you're not, you're right. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing. And, 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 and I've taken on clients like that. I've been making the mistake of taking on clients like that because you want to help everybody and somebody's struggling and you see them like you genuinely want to help them. But if they're not willing to put in the work, and this is something I'm very honest about, like, yes, I'm, I'm an accountability. I educate, I empower you. Like my goal is to get you to your goals, but also get you to your goals for the rest of your life. But like my clients put in the work. I don't do the work for you. I show you how I teach you how we're in this together but like you have to be willing to put in the work so true yeah I can be the coach but the coach doesn't get to score the goal right I just get to cheer for you from the sidelines after I like it there you go yeah no that's good so Katie circling back to your experience and and maybe you can pull in some client experience as well what were some of the stories in the scripts that you had to let go of or unsubscribe from in order to finally be this woman who stepped into her power owned her enoughness and decided to say yes to what she wanted, regardless of what anybody else thought. Like, were there things you had to say, Hey, I know this is what I learned, but I don't think it's really true. Or I don't think it's right for me. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that it honestly, I feel like it took me so much time to say like, it was like a six month transformation is not true at all. I mean, I was your, typical like extreme dieter I would take like like, if there was a diet pill I've taken it the cabbage soup diet like eating soup for a week I've done it Atkins like paleo whole 30 like you name it I've tried it and I was also very much of the mindset where eat less move more eat less move more and and to a certain I mean like to a certain extent yes that is true but um, when you're constantly cutting calories and then constantly binging on food like it's one one extreme to the other um, that's not the case at all it's it's not an eat less move more sort of thing and um i came from very much like a 1200 calorie and hit workout only mindset before i became a trainer and before i became a nutrition coach um and it really just like i was obsessed with numbers but i was my heaviest i had ever been I mean, like I was so obsessed with focus on numbers. I was so uncomfortable in my body. I would miss social, like I would genuinely cancel social events because I wasn't comfortable or I binged on food the night before. I didn't feel, you know, comfortable going to that. I didn't have clothes to wear. Like it was a constant internal like battle with myself on is it going to be a good day or is it going to be a bad day today? Am I going to eat my 1200 calories or am I going to be out of control and binge on food? And that's like a really painful like place to be at for so many years of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think it took, um, I mean, learning about my body and how food relates to my body is a game changer. That is, that is something that no diet has ever, ever taught you. And no diet has ever taught me is, is this is what is in food and this is what you should be doing. And this is how it directly relates to your body as a female and stress matters and hormones matter. And, uh, but that's something that whole 30 will never teach you or 1200 calories a day will never teach you. So I think, um, practice, education. Um, and then honestly hiring coaches, like I, I'm not scared to say like I hired coaches that helped me so much. 
um, and learn about my body and nutrition. And, and because I had that support, I, that's why I had become like obsessed with being that support for other people. And I just want, I want to learn more and know more and help more people. Amen. Yeah. I just said this yesterday in a post I've myself have hired coaches and it's because absolutely every woman listening to this and you and I could have done it ourselves, but it would have taken a hell of a lot more time and a hell of a lot more energy. And we would have run into so many more barriers and caused ourselves so much more pain trying to do it alone. And when we don't have to, why, why would we? And I think again, that comes back to the shame component. Like you shouldn't ask for help. Like you shouldn't need help with this. And if you're struggling with something, you should stay quiet about it because sin, like that's ugly. And instead, like here we are saying like, Oh no, (laughs) I need help with this. And that's okay. Yes. And, and, and again, like this sort of comes back to really like how I grew up, but it's, it was, it was sort of the mindset of if you're struggling with something, you should, you should pray. You know what I mean? You should pray to become stronger and you should ask for forgiveness or you should ask for some sort of direction. And when I never got that with myself or with religion or whatever that might be, it was sort of like, you did sort of stay quiet and you held it all in. And it's like, no, it is okay to ask for help. Like it is like, like you need to, it's actually necessary to get yourself out there, to ask for help, to have a support system. Like these are really healthy things that we think there's something wrong with like we think there's something wrong with not being able to do it ourselves because so-and-so was able to do it themselves or this person at work did it themselves or whatever that might look like but I, I don't know like I don't think I'll ever stop having coaches or asking for help because it's just so empowering for me and to be around strong strong like women and strong people and I mean even not even women like the co- I hired Tony Castillo as a coach you know for for nutrition because I like I wanted his opinion more on like plant-based nutrition and I hired him for that. And, um, I, I just think, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think there's only positive things and having people around you that support you. I would affirm that 100%. And what I would also just question is the people that we look at who we think are doing it alone. Are they really like what support systems do they have that maybe they're just not talking about? as well. Like, I mean, gosh, I wouldn't be where I am today without my therapist, but there are people who probably don't know I go to therapy, even though I talk about it all live long day because I'm uh, just like inspired by it and think therapy can help everyone. But I don't have necessarily like the, the support from my parents in certain aspects, but I do in others. And so for a lot of people, I think maybe they don't have a strong support system at home. What would you recommend if you don't have someone who's backing you, like maybe it's a significant other who just doesn't get it. Or maybe it's your group of friends who is still talking about going on those 1200 calorie a day diets when you're really trying to do this, like a sustainable life giving way. How do you suggest clients recruit support and accountability? Obviously a coach is what you and I would say first, like, Hey, if this is something that you are able to commit to right now, 110% save yourself time, energy, and frustration and hire a coach. But what else would you say, Katie, about surrounding yourself with uplifting people and support systems if maybe you have someone in your immediate environment who just is not on the same wavelength? 
Yeah, I, that is a tough question because I think you, you, you strike a fine line with, with not wanting to, you know, cut out relationships in your life. But you, at the end of the day, you have to say, like, is this serving me um, or is it, is it taking away from me? And if it, if it is taking away from you, um, you can, one, not have that relationship in your life anymore. If that feels too harsh, too much, then it, it is so important to have open, honest conversations like this is how it is this is where it's at and and it's scary but it's so freeing um and i also do think it's important like even if you don't feel like you have anyone in your life right now that is supporting you to find that because it's out there and there are people that think like you and there are people that you know are going through what you're going through and um it's just if you stay with the same people the whole life never putting yourself out there finding these people um, that can be a really difficult thing, but they're out there. So uh, I, I think hiring a coach is one of the best ways, especially because you hire a coach because you can relate to them. You hire a coach because um, you, you know what I mean? Their story gives you comfort and they give you like hope and confidence in this life that you you were really hoping for. So um, I think hiring a coach obviously making sure you're surrounding yourself with people that have similar mindsets. But the biggest thing is having honest conversations with the people you love in your life. You took the words right out of my mouth because I think we're in like this cancel culture, right? Like, Oh, you don't agree with me. Cancel. (laughs) I get it. It's funny. And we like to, you know, make funny memes and share them on social media. But (laughs) I have learned that there are like two different types of people in our lives. One would 100% support us and back us if we asserted our needs. If they knew what we wanted and what we needed, they would show up for us. But because maybe we've been taught not to assert ourselves or because we're scared to speak out for what we need, they have no idea and they're not a mind reader. So they're unable to show up in the capacity we need them to. But then I do think there are certain types of people who will never be able to receive us in the way that we need to be received and they just won't see us. And so maybe those are the relationships that are a bit toxic and we do need to distance ourselves from if they're unwilling to receive you after you have that hard conversation. So instead of just canceling someone, like first, make sure that you've yes. up about what you need and had yeah. that hard conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that comes first and then reevaluating it after the conversation comes second. So here's a question. Second to last question, Katie, let's say someone's listening to this and she's like, I can relate to this so much. I'm always last on the list. I have spent a lot of years, maybe even decades dissociating from my body and just trying to like do the right thing, whether that comes in terms of like a diet or how she's living her life. And she's ready to understand her body and learn how to appreciate and feel what her body is telling her and create that healthy, strong, confident relationship with food. What would you tell her? What did you need to hear in that moment in your life? If you live in Michigan, I'll give you a hug first. (laughs) (laughs) I've got everyone in PA, obviously. (laughs) We've got a little bit covered. We got two states covered. (laughs) Um, So I, I would tell her um, to be brave and to be honest with who you are. And it's a really scary thing, uh, but it's, it's more scary to live the rest of your life feeling the way that you're feeling. Hmm. Like to me, that's a much more scary outcome than, than starting to make change. Just saying like, 
you're so unhappy where you're at right now. And, and if you double that to five years, 10 years, 15 years, um, it, it's not going to be a very happy picture for you. So it's saying that it is, it change is not easy and having honest conversations is not easy, but it's necessary and start with something small, you know, start with something that you feel like it's sort of like, you know, when I, when I make a list with clients about nutrition and weight loss and, and where we sort of feel like we need to fill in the gaps or where we feel like, you know, Hey, what, what are the big, like red lights that you see here and start start that you know start with one and then get comfortable with that and start to make changes with that and then go from there because you're not going to wake up tomorrow being a completely different person it takes time and even if it takes 10 years girl it is freaking worth it Mic drop, honestly. And what you said <laughs> reminded me of a quote I posted on my IG stories this morning. I saw you writing. <laughs> and the quote says, focusing on taking care of yourself and doing the best you can versus judging yourself is how you take your power back. And I honestly think that it just echoes what you said as far as our capacity is going to be different day to day. And taking care of ourselves comes in many different shapes and sizes. And once again, it doesn't mean that we can't take care of others, but are we constantly putting ourselves last and putting others first because we don't feel like we're worthy to, or like we, we can't have needs. We can't have wants, we can't have goals. And then remember to be patient because it does take time, but the criticism, the judgment, the shame, the guilt, I'm of the opinion that no positive change can ever be born from those things. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. So Katie, tell everyone listening where they can find you because you're always sharing really uplifting, powerful content. Tell us online, where are you at? How can we find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram as conditioned by Katie and I am on Facebook at conditioned by Katie and I'm genuinely here to help. So follow me. I mean, I would love you to just follow me and be part of the community. Any questions you have, any way I can help you. Um, that's what I'm here for. I will drop your Instagram bio in the show notes below too. So people can just click that and yeah, let's take over the world. One strong, powerful woman at a time. I love it. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the health, wealth, and wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.